0: David Fiorazzo.
1: Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. I want to clarify something that I've been sharing our 200 resources, which is now probably more like technically 225, but it sounds good to say 200 in alphabetical or 200 resources you can trust on our website. Um, when you look at it on your desktop computer, you'll see the navigation bar up at the top. It's, it's different if you look at it on your iPhone. If you look if you click on resources you have to actually click on the menu lines on your iPhone click on the at standupforthetruth.com click on your menu lines and then it'll be a drop down menu you'll look for the one word resources that'll take you to our page 200 resources you can trust Let's open today very important topic Father in heaven thank you for giving us life thank you for giving us hope and thank you for the assurance of salvation thank you for the holy spirit a deposit in our hearts, guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing what is to come. And we thank you as we await that blessed hope and the glorious reappearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Teach us to number our days that we may gain hearts of wisdom. Help us to be salt and light and help God, help Christians, Lord, know what that means and how to apply it. May we never be silent about things that matter, including the gospel and all that comes with it, the whole counsel of God. And may we always be witnesses, not secret agents. May we be ambassadors for Christ as we are called to be in this culture for such a time as this. We love you, Lord, and lift up this hour and this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our guest is J.B. Hickson. I want to get to him in, in just a minute. I want to read something um about how it happened, the Supreme Court's worst decision, or one of them. And um, I don't know if you remember, but back in the court case, Roe v. Wade, 1972-73, there were some questions that were asked. Keep in mind, in 73, they did not have ultrasound, sonograms, other technologies that we have today. We They did not have the, quote, science <laughs> that we have today. But um, very important questions were asked, like, you know, um, Do we really know when life begins? Uh, The attorney representing, you know, abortion, Planned Parenthood, and, and wanting to legalize abortion, Weddington, Mrs. Weddington, Sarah Weddington said, I think, had it been established that the fetus was a person, under the 14th Amendment, or under constitutional protection, there... Then there might be a different, differentiation, she said. And then Justice Blackman at the time, I'm reading from the court case, the transcript of Roe v. Wade, he said, well, do I get from this then that your case depends primarily on the, on the proposition that the fetus has no constitutional rights? And then skipping down a little bit, Justice Stewart, uh, chimed in in 1973. That's what's involved in this case, weighing one life against another. And then Justice Stewart said, if it were established that an unborn fetus is a person with the protection of the 14th Amendment, and he's talking to the attorney representing Planned Parenthood pro-abortion, and he said, "Would you would have almost an impossible case here, would you not? Sarah Weddington responded, quote, I would have a very difficult case. And then Justice White, a couple paragraphs down, said, Well, if you're correct that the fetus is a person, then the state, capital S, state, would have great trouble permitting an abortion, would it not? Father in heaven, thank you for your word of truth. Thank you that you speak to this issue in your word. Open our eyes and our hearts up to this Right now, and help us be able to respond intelligently and most importantly, biblically to others who ask and who talk about these issues and have bought the talking points and the lies in Jesus' name. Today's guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson, author and pastor, Plum Creek Chapel near Denver, uh, Sedalia, Colorado, and uh, founder of Not by Works Ministries. Uh, he's the author of this latest book that we love, and we've had him on talking about Spirit of the Antichrist. The gathering cloud of deception. JB, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother.
2: Hey, David. Great to be with you, as always.
1: Okay, so you heard some of the quotes. We're going to get into some scriptures, and you have a lot to say about this issue, as you uh, said, you, you shared yesterday. Um, just your thoughts on where we were in 1973 when the justices in the court case had these conversations.
2: Yeah, so they're exactly right. Uh, the whole issue with the sanctity of life comes to, at least as it relates to the unborn, comes down to when does life begin? And as biblical Christians who believe that the Bible is the only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, uh, we have, we believe very strongly that life begins at conception because that's what the Bible teaches. Um, and so, frankly, uh, Roe v. Wade never should have happened because uh, the unborn are protected mm-hmm. under the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection uh, Clause, which many people have long considered the 14th Amendment one of the most important amendments in the Constitution, uh, to the Constitution, mm-hmm. uh, and also the 5th uh, the Amendment's Due Process Clause as well. Uh, Of course, they, as they so often did, the activist, the court uh, frequently ignores the Constitution and creates law. And so, uh, obviously, uh, I want to be clear that uh, what uh, the Lord did through this decision on Friday, and I do believe it was in response to the prayers of God's people, um, is a good thing. I mean, of course it is. Uh, Anytime we can save one human life, that's that's an amazing thing. But I do think we need to look beyond the two-dimensional aspect of this to the bigger picture and see what's really going on and ask some questions. And I have grave concerns uh, with the concept of, you know, quote, kicking this back to the states, because, you know, essentially, uh, of course, everybody knows now we're basically going to franchise out abortion among the 50 states. and. You know, clearly the majority of them will be still allowing the, the murder of, of unborn children. Uh, but uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, by kicking this back to the states, we're essentially de facto saying each state has the right to violate the U.S. Constitution, and that's a scary thing. I think mm. we need to. You know, I think we need to talk about that.
1: Yeah, that's. I'm glad you put it that way. A franchise out, because um, this does come back now to the states who will decide. And as you said, there are many states who want to do their best to keep uh, the right to murder an unborn human uh, being in a mother's womb, um, you know, legal in that state. Now, of course, we know what God says about it. We'll talk a little bit more about that and the scriptures that uh, we will get into in in just a minute, but. One thing I also want to mention, this is a, an issue of the heart. It, it is spiritual at its core, the, the whole yeah. root of this, because you're talking about e- eliminating life and who has the right to take life, right? And only God has the right. God gives us rights, by the way. Our government doesn't. I know we've talked about that. But, JB, just your, your thoughts on that perspective that, um, yeah, it's very interesting. It is a spiritual war, and uh, the enemy has this bloodlust and found a way to really dupe and deceive human beings into taking their own children's lives.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Spirit of the Antichrist. Uh, In that book I have a whole chapter on the Luciferian eugenics and depopulation agenda. You know, the Bible tells us that all who hate me love death, and and the Luciferians absolutely love death. They thrive on it. It's it's a bloodlust, like you said. And so they're absolutely going crazy, Uh, With the thought that now some states will will you know will make it illegal to kill an innocent unborn child, but again, just to reiterate, I think obviously we're we're thankful this is a an unexpected and yet a a positive move in the right direction, but I think it opens the door now for essentially any state can come along on any issue and say we don't care what the Constitution says, we're gonna we're gonna override it. And that's a very dangerous place. I mean, obviously, fundamentally and philosophically, we're in agreement when it comes to protecting the life of the unborn. But what if the next uh, you know, clause of the Constitution that they choose to thumb their nose at and completely ignore is, is something that's not in favor of a moral decision? Uh, we have no standing. Now, in other words, the Constitution, David, really is like the Bible, for our country, mm. uh, just as the Bible is the only standard for our lives and our practices and our beliefs, the Constitution is sacrosanct or should be for this uh, great republic. And the minute we, uh, you know, formalize an option to just ignore it at will, or give this give individual states the right to ignore it, uh, we've gone down a dangerous road. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, you know, if you want to get into some scriptures, um, uh, you know, this is. Uh, something that I think is helpful for Christians to, to remember and to have at their fingertips in, in times like this as the topic of uh, the sanctity of life is going to be, you know, kind of in the public domain for quite some time now. But um, so, you know, clearly the Bible teaches that life begins at fertilization. In Psalm 51, the famous uh, penitent psalm of David, mm-hmm. David says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. In other words, David is referring to himself as a person who needs salvation from the very moment of fertilization, from the moment of conception. And in modern technical terms, fertilization takes place when the sperm and the egg join into one new cell. So we are 100% human, according to Scripture, from that moment, long before this cell begins to divide and produce you know, stem cells and things like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, we also see in, in the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah one five that yes. God has plans for us before we're born. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before so, you were born, I sanctified you.
1: JB, uh, I, want, I want to ask you about that scripture and this idea, because there are other scriptures that, that back this up uh, from God's Word. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you so from that from God's standpoint does life begin before conception
2: well that's that gets into God's sovereignty and you know obviously what God is saying here is that you know uh, I'm sovereign I know all things and I've uh, ordained all things and so you know I before you were even born I am thinking of you in terms of you know humanity personhood you are a human life we have mm-hmm. to remember that you know God Mankind is the highest pinnacle of creation. God created man in his own image. And Satan, who's been trying to take over this world and usurp God's authority ever since he tried to take the throne in heaven and got kicked out, he's doing everything he can to become God. And the one thing that, you know, he cannot do is create life ex nihilo or out of nothing. And so what, is, what he's going to do you know, this gets into transhumanism and some of those things, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about later if we have time. But what he's doing is he's attacking God's highest pinnacle of creation, the very image of God and man, is under attack through the slaughter of innocent human beings. Because they think they're just, uh, you know, dispensable and, you know, don't have inherent life and inherent value uh, but it's it's the greatest attack, really on the image of God is to kill innocent, unborn uh,
1: human life. Mm. And this is what's happening, and we have it dumbed down in our country to mean, you know, a bunch of phrases, a bunch of meaningless talking points, um, my body, my choice, reproductive freedom and and that's kind of an odd way to describe eliminating a human life in the womb. reproductive freedom or reproductive rights. our own, not our, but you know what I mean. Vice President Kamala Harris said, you know, she was standing up for now the reproductive rights for the for all the women in the nation and health care rights are at stake here. And there, these are just lies. J.B., uh, I, I want to get your take on that. Uh, reproductive rights, that's just awful language. They obviously are preventing reproduction. It shouldn't be Planned Parenthood, by the way. It should be preventing parenthood. But Joe Biden also said, quote, the court took away a right that was already recognized your thoughts
2: well it wasn't already recognized until roe v wade when they created this right yes yes we said at the outset if you look at the actual language of the 14th amendment's equal protection clause and the fifth amendment's due process clause they they, we this shouldn't even be an issue uh because as the justices wrote in their notes that you read at the outset the whole issue comes down to when does life begin once you can prove that life begins at conception the whole—it's game over. It's done. You know, you have to uphold the Constitution. Now, the problem is most Christians today don't know their Bible, and they, even if they do, and, and I think you wrote an article about this recently, they—they uh, they don't actually know what the Bible teaches, and they don't follow what the Bible teaches, right. even if they know it. So, mm-hmm. you know, for Christians, the Bible has to be our ultimate standard, and the Bible clearly teaches that life begins at conception. But I want to go back to what you talked about here with this reproductive right. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the my body, my choice argument is just one of the most ludicrous hypocrisies I've seen. But, you know, the, the Luciferians are always spinning language and mm-hmm. taking terms that, you know, mean one thing and actually turning them 180 degrees on their head to mean something entirely different. But you know, apparently the my body, my choice only applies when you're talking about murdering the unborn. But when it comes to mandating dangerous experimental injections and wearing useless and dangerous masks, it's not your body. It's the government's body. Mm. And the government owns your body and and they can tell you what to do with it. Unless, of course, you're talking about, you know, legalized murder. And then, you know, it's your body. You can murder who you want to. So it's uh, it's crazy. you know, I, you know, the hypocrisy is just stunning to me, David. Yes,
1: and the deception is thick. Um, let us uh, We've got four minutes left in this segment, J.B. Let's talk about this from the aspect of Justice Alito's opinion. And uh, he is saying what, what we're saying, but I want to put it in his words. He said, quote, not only was there no support for such a constitutional right until shortly before Roe, but abortion had long been a crime in every single State. Listen to this. At common law, abortion was criminal in at least some stages of pregnancy and was regarded as unlawful and could have very serious consequences at all stages. Now, this is from the decision Roe v. Wade on the overturning Roe v. Wade from Justice Samuel Alito. I'm going to continue now. He said Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak. And the decision has had damaging consequences. It is time to heed the Constitution and return to the ish, return the issue of abortion to the people's elective representatives. Stop right there. That's the quagmire that you brought up. Yes. because now that it's brought back to the people, even the, the court thankfully they're out of it now they should be out of it right now it's to the state now states are going to decide and th- then this is one of the the confusing things to people. Who think either? Well, wait a minute now, Pastor JB. You're. What, what, I we. I know God is a God of life, and now we have the decision in each state to make this decision. Isn't this going to harm more babies down the road? What are your thoughts to that?
2: Well, I, that's my fear. I mean, again, uh, it is what it is. We can't change the trajectory. And you know, I've read the opinion too, and I like so much of what you know Alito said, and and you know, of course. Uh, I think most people that follow my teaching know that my feeling about the Supreme Court, that it's controlled. Mm. But obviously, just looking at the verbiage, I'm, you know, we all say a hearty amen to, to a lot of it until you get down to what he said, where you stopped the quote a moment ago. What the Supreme Court should have done is not, not just overturned Roe v. Wade, but made it clear that no state shall ever impose a law that allows you to violate the Constitution and kill innocent human life based on the 14th and 5th Amendments. That's what he should should have said and what they should have done. Uh, But we'll take what we can get at this point. But, uh, yeah, after the break I'd like to talk more about really the fact that even though this is clearly a positive step in some ways, it's not a panacea. and, And I've got several observations about my concerns about what could be coming around uh, the corner.
1: Okay, I want to wrap up this segment just by finishing uh, just a few quotes from Alito, and then we'll talk more about this important issue and how Christians need to be responding to this. Obviously, we cannot gloat over the the perceived victory um, Friday, but we need to love our neighbor, but at the same time be able to know how to respond with truth and facts. And Alito said some good things, as you mentioned, J.B. Hickson. He said, we can only do our job, meaning the court, "...which is to interpret the law, apply long-standing principles of stare decisis, and decide this case accordingly. We therefore hold that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey must be overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people and their elected representatives. Abortion presents a profound moral question." The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people And at the risk of being redundant. So here we are with this dilemma now. What we're going to do when we come back, because the states are going to be deciding. So basically, blue states, you kind of know if their legislatures are led by the Democrats, you kind of know what direction they're going to go on legislation. Red states, if they're led by Christians, conservatives, or Republicans, or even independents that want to stand up for life, you know, that we know what direction they're gonna go with state legislation. And corporations are saying now we'll pay for you employees to go across state lines and get abortions if you need to. Complicated issue. More with JB Hickson when we come back. Your
0: monthly financial support of standupforTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up for the Truth with David Fiorazzo.
1: JB Hickson is our guest today, and you can find out more information on him at notbyworks.org. Luke chapter 1, we often forget about what Luke uh, wrote about, uh, because we only really quote it around Christmas time. But in verse 41, when Elizabeth Heard Mary's greeting. This is when both women were pregnant and uh, Mary went to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Now remember, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, so these are God's words coming from her right at this moment. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and how it has how does it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me Behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And that's verse 41 through 44. J.B. Hickson, it's very interesting that uh, the Bible, does the Bible have any distinction or show any distinction between life in the womb and a toddler, for example?
2: Absolutely not. No, and that's... The, bi- the Greek term there for babe, when it says, she said, the babe leaped in my womb, is brephos, it just means baby. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, this this concept of a fetus versus a baby, as if there's some distinction. Uh, of course, if you remember, in the original Roe v. Wade case, they called it protoplasmic rubbish. So, they, they again, they play with words and try to come up with different terminology, but we're talking about an innocent uh, human life uh, uh, here, and so much of Scripture, you know, Supports that. I mean, it, it's a—it's not—not uh, a fact in dispute if you understand the Bible in its literal, grammatical, historical context. But um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go back to just some general observations, if I may, about sure. this—you know—Scotus uh, ruling. Um, you know, when major events like this happen, as I mentioned, we've got to learn to look beyond the two-dimensional aspect on its face. Of course, of course. Uh, it's a good thing any time something happens that may save an innocent human life. But I think it, it, it we should ask the question, is this all that's going on here, or is there more to the story? And so when you look beyond the surface level, uh, kind of like a chess player looking at a multidimensional image of the game in his mind's eye several moves ahead, we kind of see a few things worth noting. And I think this is especially true. When we take into consideration the Luciferian conspiracy uh, that I talk about uh, in my book *Spirit of the Antichrist* and that Scripture talks about in Psalm 2, uh, by the way, if anyone wants to get a, a kind of a taste of that book, you can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org. Spiritoftheantichrist.org. But when you take into consideration the Luciferian conspiracy and the way Satan and his earthly counterparts have been rolling out this what I call the Great Satanic Reset, I think there's some observations and. The first one, which we've already kind of talked about, is that the SCOTUS decision does not do away with abortion on constitutional grounds the way it should. It simply gives each state the right to decide whether they're going to follow the Constitution or not. Uh, And I think, as I mentioned, this is going to create sanctuary states for the murdering of unborn children. And essentially, we're going to see abortion tourism. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's that's really what it is. Within minutes of the decision being released Friday, one company, Dick's Sporting Goods, sent out a company-wide memo. I've got a copy of it. Someone sent it to me. Uh, I think it's out there pretty pervasively now. But essentially, in the memo, they said, if you would like to kill your baby, we're going to give you $4,000 and paid medical leave to help you accomplish this murder. Yes. And you know, Other companies have allegedly are doing the same thing. Uh, and so essentially, it's in, in some ways, it's going to further divide the nation along this issue, mm-hmm. and we're yeah. going to see those who who thrive on, on taking innocent life ratchet it up, and it's going to become even easier. In fact, I don't think it's a stretch to say that in, in, in some circles, this might even lead to more abortions. You know, some people that might not have had an abortion, now that they're incentivized to do it, might actually go ahead and, and have the abortion so again at you know at the face value level it's certainly a good thing and I believe it's a uh, you know it's a trend that is positive for uh, conservatives and I think it can be traced back fundamentally to an answer to prayer God loves us and he wants to help save life and so mm-hmm. uh, but I think we need to see it uh, in in perspective
1: okay let me just elaborate a little bit on on this idea that corporations private Companies are supporting abortion. And, by the way, I hope most listeners understand that Dix didn't put out the memo and use the word murder like you did. But that's what they are doing. They're endorsing the murder of children in the womb by saying, hey, if you want an abortion, we'll pay for you. We'll pay for your travel expenses if you go across state lines. Um, So they won't pay for babies. They won't pay for maternity leave. But they'll gladly pay for you to go across state lines to abort them so you can come back to work in a couple days. It's really uh, evil is being called good, good is being called evil, but it's darkness and light. I just want to list the companies, JB, and let you respond. These are the companies that will pay for some or all travel costs if a woman or a young girl wants to get an abortion and is working for these companies. Citibank, Yelp, Amazon, Bumble, Levi's, Lyft, Apple, Starbucks, Zillow, PayPal, Airbnb, Disney, Bank of America, MasterCard. Dick Sporting Goods, Netflix, Reddit, J.P. Morgan, DoorDash, Microsoft, Meta, which is Facebook, and Match. Um, JB, there's going to be more coming.
2: Oh, no question. And, and, and I talked about this yesterday. I had the opportunity to speak at a large gathering of uh, a freedom group called Elbert County Stands Up, in uh, in here in Colorado yesterday it was a really invigorating time. I had over two hundred people come out. I didn't know there were two hundred conservatives in the entire state of Colorado. but <laughs> there, apparently there were two hundred in Elver County. And uh, but I talked about you know this this very thing. That someone asked the question, you know, hey, what can we do? Well, I mean, if you understand the Luciferian conspiracy and, and globalism and how so much of uh, you know you know the econ- economics of it are controlled, it's really difficult to find any company that is not somehow traced back to one of these, you know, Luciferian-controlled companies. So you just mentioned a whole litany of them, but there are many more. And frankly, you know, I mean, short of dropping out of society, unplugging, going off the grid and living on a mountain, I don't know that it's possible these days to completely insulate ourselves from all of that evil out there. But you can do what you can do. And I think this really ought to wake people up to the reality of just how much Uh, You know, they they love death, as the Bible says, uh, you know, Satan's a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said that, uh, and he loves death, he wants to kill. Uh, People don't understand, the Luciferians in their own writings have said, we want to get the world's population reduced by 90%. Hmm. And so, uh, I think think we've got uh, really a lot going on here from a big picture perspective. Yes. Again, it's it's really interesting to see you know and ask questions like why now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, why, why did it
2: take seventy years or whatever, it, or fifty years for the uh, fifty years that is for the U- U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade? And again, they didn't overturn it on constitutional grounds because if they were following the Constitution, they would have forbidden any state from violating the Constitution by allowing the murder of unborn children.
0: Good what point. They've
2: done is they've said no. We're gonna we're gonna kick the can down the road and let let someone else take the, the blame for this. But I think one thing that's clear, and we saw this because of the Night of Rage uh, the other night, yeah. uh, is that this is going to create more division in an already very divided nation. So now we're going to see the solidifying of the divide between conservative states and liberal states, which, of course, is going to play right into the eventual civil war that the Luciferians have been fomenting all along.
1: Yep. Remember, they've got to
2: get rid of America to be able to usher in the one world political, religious, and economic system. And one part of that puzzle, and there are many aspects of how they're going to try to get rid of America, is uh, is fomenting civil war and dissension and, and things like that. So I think the other thing that's worth mentioning, uh, if I may, yeah. is... I really find it strange that the same, quote, conservative justices who have supported extremely liberal issues in the past, such as the decision not to hear evidence in the greatest election fraud in U.S. history, uh, or LGBTQ issues, or gay marriage, or or many others, these same same so-called conservative justices are now being hailed as heroes. Mm. Yet no one's pointing out the obvious inconsistency or hypocrisy. I mean... How can a justice rule to support the gender surrender movement and then turn around and support life in the womb? Hmm. It just, on its face, ought to show you that that the Supreme Court is controlled. It's never about uh, what it's about. Um, I mean, it was Neil Gorsuch, who's a very woke judge, by the way, uh, very woke, uh, who supported in the summer of 2020 an opinion that said employers, private employers, may not hire and fire someone based on their sexual orientation or gender identity so in other words and that's going to have impacts on churches and other private institutions in other words you you have to go along with this gender surrender movement and that was neil gorsuch a trump mm, appointee yeah uh, kavanaugh same thing kavanaugh was the one this is fascinating to me uh people forget this but in february of 2021 we had the last really last gasp effort to get the Supreme Court. To take a look at the overwhelming evidence of the greatest election fraud in U.S. history, and by the way, they're all frauds. I mean, they, they were all rigged. Twenty twenty wasn't the first time an election was rigged. Twenty, you know, sixteen was rigged. Twenty twelve was rigged. Twenty oh eight was rigged. But you know, this one was by far the most obvious. I mean, it was smoking gun evidence all over the place, and yet uh, we only had three justices that were willing to hear the case. And if you recall, it takes four justices. Out of the nine, to to get a case on the docket, if a, if a minimum of four have to agree. Yeah, we'll hear this case. And so think about it: we could not even find four justices on a court that supposedly has a six to three conservative supermajority. Yeah, to agree to look at the overwhelming evidence of voter fraud.
1: mm-hmm And by the way, um, where was Roberts on this? Uh, he he voted with the left. Um,
2: yeah, let's not forget. Uh, don't mean to interrupt. No, but let's not ahead. forget this decision. To so-called overturn Roe v. Wade was five to four. Yeah, it was five to four.
1: Yeah, that's uh, almost a coin flip. <laughs> it was close. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's not a conservative majority, let alone super majority, on the Supreme Court, and uh, they're not God. They are um, appointed to that position and not elected. But let's go back. I want to mention something. Um, Molly Hemingway, since you brought it up, JB, you troublemaker. Molly Hemingway has a phenomenal article at TheFederalist.com from uh, three days ago. Uh, yes, Biden is hiding his plan to rig the 2022 midterm election. She says the White House is refusing to share details about how its coordinated efforts to engage in a federal takeover. Of election administration. You can read about that at the Federalist, but she makes some very interesting points. Mobilizing voters is always a political um, act, and they are involved in these groups already working on things now due to a part of, partly because of Biden's executive orders on this issue. But that's a side note. I want to quote President of Live Action, Lila Rose, who said, What's happening now after the Supreme Court's decision with these leftist groups? Actually, they have been warning already. We interviewed Julianne Appling here. She's out of Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin Family Action, whose offices were firebombed and uh, arson, and, and uh, they're you know being cleaned up and and uh, you know rebuilt today. But anyway, um, Lila Rose said this is the most coordinated and aggressive domestic terrorism in our nation today, all because extremists are angry that they may not get to kill children in the womb on demand without limit. Yet there is virtual silence from Joe Biden, Speaker Pelosi, and most media groups. Why? So, J.B., we know who controls the airwaves, and I'll let you just share your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, no question. And and it's, again, another example of uh, striking hypocrisy and and really lunacy that it's mostly the Democratic states who... Are already going to have the right to continue killing their babies uh, that are that are uh, you know doing this uprising. So, and by the way, most of those uprisings are are controlled. Um, we know this from all kinds of documents released. We know it from the FBI's COINTELPRO program. They they love to you know send to infiltrate these truth uh, movements and the radical left movements as well and foment things. And uh, so, it's not as organic as people think it is. But either way, I mean, it's it's organic in the sense that no matter who's fomenting it, you know, dumb people are jumping on board and and doing silly things, which we've always seen with the riots. But um, I'd like to go back to, uh, you know, something you talked about with, Election fraud. Uh, I know we, you, I kind of opened that door, you walked around, <laughs> back through it, but, but, uh, but I, in my meeting yesterday during the Q&A afterwards, and again, it was a, a, a two hour presentation that I did on the Great Satanic Reset. Uh, if anybody's interested, the video's already posted at org. but, uh, afterward, I had a lady come up who's an election manager in Elbert County, and she's also running for a county clerk, and she told me some harrowing tales of what, uh, the government, the FBI, particularly, is doing uh, in her case because she took the initiative uh, in the election to make digital copies of the hard drives before sending them off to Never Never Land, where no one can ever, you know, verify what mm-hmm. vote count they they have. Uh, when we when we switched to digital voting, it was it was all over but the crying. I mean, there's no way to validate elections digitally because some you know whiz kid computer whiz in a cubicle in Cleveland can make a few keystrokes and change the outcome of the election anywhere in the country but she's doing her best locally to try to stem that tide but she said when she did that she has been crucified in the press the fbi showed up at her door they're accusing her of you know not playing along she said uh they control the narrative they they send out talking points that every county clerk is supposed to parrot and uh, they do not want sanctity of the elections. They do not want any protections in place. And and she admitted that, frankly, because of, you know, of mules that they use, as people have seen the movie 2000 Mules, uh, even if she can make sure that her tabulation numbers are consistent, you know, in other words, they don't change them after it gets onto the massive server somewhere because she has a copy of the original digitally. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't, you know, Play with other elections, you know, other counties. And so, really, unless we have some way of, of controlling the digital voting tabulation system nationwide, I mean, it's never going to be, we're never going to be able to control elections. So, I think that author you mentioned is, is right. It's, it's a concerted effort, but I think we need to recognize that, you know, unless we go back to paper, physical ballots that can be bundled and kept you know, you know, the provenance of them and the chain of custody of them uh, can be ver- verified, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle.
1: JB, we're about to take another break. Did you see the uh, documentary by Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 Mules?
2: Yeah, that's what I was kind of referring to. It, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real problem. Yes, I mean, it is. Uh, but the bigger problem is that once you put the, the results on a system of dashes and dots on a computer server, nobody knows what the original was. It can be easily manipulated. I mean, if they can hack into the NSA server, they can certainly change a few election outcomes.
1: Yes, we're not as righteous as we thought we were as a nation, and we're not as free as we thought we were as a nation. But it's not over until God says it's over. Our guest today is J.B. Hicks, and A lot more coming up. I'm going to ask him when we come back if there's a connection between people's worldview and thoughts on abortion and this Gallup poll Americans' belief in God dips to historic low. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing
0: today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: So framing the abortion argument, I just want to quote um, actress and author and proud mom, Patricia Heaton, from remember her from Everybody Loves Raymond and, and other um, shows and movies, but she said this, The tragedy of abortion haunts women from all walks of life. Abortion advocates are spending millions to package their tired rhetoric and half-truths in cutting-edge advertising campaigns targeted to young women. Life is short. My mother died when I was 12. There's no guarantee that we're going to be here tomorrow. As a Christian, it will not be Barbara Streisand I'm standing in front of when I have to make an accounting for my life. The early feminists, by the way, were pro-life. And really, abortion is a huge disservice to women, but it hasn't been presented that way. I think pro-choice is a ridiculous name. I find it impossible to subscribe to a philosophy that believes the destruction of human life is a legitimate solution. In reality, most women choose abortion because they believe they have no other choice end quote that's patricia heaton so jb before we get into some gallup polls your thoughts on um praise god for someone in hollywood actually saying such things
2: yeah i mean it's kind of like i felt yesterday uh you know could there be that many conservatives in colorado could there be any pro-lifers in hollywood um but praise god for her for speaking out and uh you know, she's exactly right. She touched on what we've talked about a couple of times already, and that is the deconstruction of language and twisting words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's never uh, a legitimate choice to murder innocent human beings. And so uh, when they make this about pro-choice, what it really is is pro-murder. Uh, and, you know, again, it's, I know that sounds harsh, but let's call it what it is. The yes. Bible is the only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices. And if the Bible calls it murder, then we ought to call it murder.
1: Amen. By the way, I want to quote uh, someone who put this. Many people have shared this. Um, I am not pro-choice. I'm sorry, I am pro-choice. Four choices specifically. Number one, abstinence. Number two, contraception. Number three, motherhood. Number four, adoption. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those are four choices, but those are not allowed uh, today. So why are we here, JB? Why is it uh, this is not a Supreme Court issue? Not even a government of the United States issue. This is a the citizens that have been here for centuries and how we have now declined um, morally. And in 1944, that was the first year that Gallup asked American citizens the question about faith in God. And at that point, believe it or not, 98% of U.S. adults at least said they believed in God. But now well, it's only 81% of Americans, but let's stress the fact that they say They believe in God, but now they can define God as other things. But the point is we're on a decline, and I ask, is there a connection, or I should say how big of a connection is it in the worldview decline of Americans uh, away from God and away from the Bible and this acceptance of abortion in our society?
2: Yeah, I think we need to remember that depravity is a degenerative disease. And for the last 6,000 years of human history, mankind is getting worse and worse. That's what Paul tells us plainly in 2 Timothy 3.13. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So it's not going to self-correct people the depravity of man is a powerful thing. And apart from uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit and the Word of God, which the Bible tells us itself, You know, 3,800 times, David, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord. So this is very much God's self-revelation to mankind. And it tells us that the Bible gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Mm. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so as Christians and even unbelievers get away from the Bible... Of course, if an unbeliever gets away from the Bible, they can't be saved, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to hear the Gospel in order to believe the Gospel. But even Christians, when we get away from the Bible, we lose our true north. We lose our moral compass. We Mm -hmm. lose that path that, that, that... that, that pathway for life that kind of helps us navigate uh, this world. The Bible says uh, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit like joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And what that means is that the Word of God is able to pierce our hearts and help us separate in our hearts that which longs for the flesh from that which longs for the spirit and kind of differentiate the two. Uh it's the reason Howard Hendricks, one of my mentors, uh, who's with the Lord now, but uh, I had him as a professor years ago, and he's, he used to say the Bible is the only book on the planet that when you read it, it's doing something to you. Uh, it changes lives. And so absolutely, there's a correlation between uh, people getting away from the Word of God and the, the, the moral degradation that we see all around us in our culture. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a lot of uh, focus, I mean there's a lot of, not focus, there should be focus, but there's a lot of evidence in the polling that's been done by Barna, by Gallup, by you know Lifeway and Pew and others, on the particularly, JB, in the last 50 years or so. A hundred years ago it wasn't such the case as it is today as far as people falling away from God, the apostasy, even in the church, and that's a whole other issue we've done podcasts on the uh, falling away not only of leadership but you know I, you know most people uh maybe accepting worldly philosophies social justice and other things but so in the last 50 to 75 years what changed uh, in your opinion i know education or in quotes you know government education has a, played a part in this but can you offer any insights for people trying to understand You know, obviously there's been a falling away, and people, you know, love the world more than they love God. And um, is there anything else you can add to this to help us understand it?
2: Yeah, so several things uh, that come to mind. First of all, you know, from a biblical prophecy perspective, we know that, you know, the Spirit expressly says, 1 Timothy 4, that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Mm. So... Uh, it's, it's, this is a, you know, biblical prophecy issue. We are getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord. And I think if you, if I can just summarize really the last 120 years, going back to the turn of the 20th century, that's when the Luciferians really ratcheted up their concerted effort to bring down America. It was through. Groups like the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, compulsory government schooling initiatives, controlling the education system from the top down, controlling the medical system and medical boards and medical schools. And, you know, just those two avenues alone, education and medicine, changed dramatically Mm. starting in the beginning of the 20th century, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And so uh, the last 50 to 70 years, and I talk about this in, in my book, Spirit of the Antichrist, I think one, one thing that's notable, uh, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, uh, is, you know, in 1948, Israel became a nation again after World War II, uh, May 15, 1948. Satan, who knows the Bible better than most Christians, but he just doesn't believe it, saw that, and I believe at that moment he recognized that his time is short. That, I mean, that, that the, the rebirth of Israel as a nation is one of the greatest signs, if not the greatest sign, that we are getting close to the end times. Uh, I, I have a, a video that we make available by streaming called "Top Ten Signs We Could Be Living in the Last of the Last Days," and that's number one on the list. Mm. So I believe there's a correlation there to the things that started happening, both in terms of paranormal activity, uh, you know, spiritual warfare, UFOs, and you know, massive declines that came, particularly starting in the '60s. It took time to kind of get a lot of this fomented and started, but when you go back to the 60s and then the 70s and then the establishment of the Department of Education yeah. uh, in late 70s uh, or so, I mean, it just it just seems to have... The, the rate of decline seemed to have accelerated. And so I think Satan is really... Uh, saw what happened in 1948, and he started marshalling the troops, the demonic forces. Um, and, you know, I have, a, I have a friend who I've really... Uh, love dearly and uh, we talk a lot about spiritual matter and known him for many years and he texted me a week over the weekend in, in the context of the scotus ruling and he said you know i can't explain it but i was praying today and i just have this overwhelming sense that a bunch of demons have have really been harnessed to really go throughout this country and that we're headed for some pretty pretty troubling times mm. and and you know again that's just one anecdote but uh, but, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest industries is that Satan knows that his time is short, and, you know, you could look at guys like Klaus Schwab, who's right at the tip of the spear right now in the Great Satanic Reset. He's over 80 years old, and he, he, he feels like he can taste the establishment of the New World Order and mm-hmm. the One World System, and he's going to do everything he can to bring it about, you know, over the next few years. I mean, their target dates are 2025 to 2030. I mean, that's in their own writings, and they've been talking about those dates for 100 years. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to succeed, because God is the one that ultimately sets the times, and God may say, nope, sorry, you know, I want more people to come to faith, and I'm going to give it more time. But at some point, biblically speaking, we know we're going to enter that, that final phase of God's plan of the ages.
1: Amen. I, I want to, you brought up the spiritual aspect and and just the, the demonic realm and just the war the constant warfare that goes on in the realm of the Spirit. I wish we could peek into that, although we know from Scripture uh, it happens. Uh, Let me just point out four specific ways that we can pray. Uh, And then, J.B., I'll let you share more encouragement for our listeners that really want to know what to do, but other than voting and other than maybe going down and and praying at a pro-life or a pregnancy center or a a center that really, a women's group that really wants to help young girls or women that are pregnant, you can pray for safety over these pregnancy resource centers, and and pray for the volunteers in the pro life movement. Also, pray for protection over the Supreme Court justices. Uh, we know that they will continue to be attacked uh, unjustly. Um, and six, the six or the five conservative justices that voted to overturn Roe, um, pray for the future of pro life advocacy, especially in the states like you said the blue states that will probably try to ratchet it up and even you know, a, the, a further uh, allow abortion on demand for example um and pray for a culture of life if that could even be possible i know it starts with the human heart and it starts with changing our hearts in christ and that starts with the gospel doesn't it
2: Amen. Yeah, I mean that's the there's an urgency of the hour, and at Not by Works, we've been passionate about the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel for 23 years, and so um, yeah, I mean I, I love the way you you know brought it back to the spiritual remedy is prayer because mm-hmm. I do believe that. Uh, to whatever this helps save human lives, even though there's all kinds of flaws with this legal argument, but mm-hmm. praise God, it's going to save. Yes. I believe. I believe that's an answer to prayer, and mm-hmm. I think we we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in the high places. So, uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot uh, a lot going on in this world, David. I need to read my book Spiritus, which Christ makes the biblical case for a man and then and, and, and lays out the manifestations of Christ, the fact that we see all around us, and. Um, I mean, this is, uh, this, you know, this is, you know, something that, even though with all the bad news, we need to remember who wins in the end, to, you know, keep trusting the Lord. Remember, some horse horses and shepherds will trust in the Lord. Yes. And that's what we, uh, that's what we need to do.
1: Two, maybe two minutes left for, for those listening right now and that are perhaps a little disheartened. And I know a lot of listeners uh, are concerned that their pastors are not addressing these issues. Um, whether it be the decision on Roe v. Wade or way even before that. They, they bear a, p- uttered a peep about life and the woman, abortion, this battle in our culture and how Christians should respond to it. And then there's the LGBTQ movement. Then there's this push for globalist takeover and socialism and all these things uh, that are coming against the church and the church is not responding. And a lot of people have, have told us that. Your encouragement to them, uh, I know we've got such a short time here, but just what, what can you offer as far as advice?
2: Yeah, someone came up to me and asked a question yesterday, uh, you know, should they hold their pastors accountable and make sure that the churches they go to are actually addressing these issues? And I said, absolutely. I believe, you know, apostasy is another sign of times, and we're seeing probably fully 90 to 95 percent of churches today are not preaching the whole counsel of God. They're not addressing these issues. They're kind of like the churches in in, uh, Hitler's day that were silent Mm. Uh, and didn't speak out and stand up. And you know, Paul tells us, "Let us sl- let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober." First Thessalonians five six. And mm. one of, my, as my uh, good friends and colleagues uh, said recently at a conference we were both at speaking at, he said, "The last thing the world needs right now is more sleepy Christians."
1: Mm. Well, uh, Jesus said, "I am coming quickly," and uh, when He returns, boy, things will change, and we can't wait for that day. I hope we're alive. Uh, at that point, and we get to spend uh, th- at least that time with him. I know we're going to be taken up, and uh, we'll miss uh, some of it. But, uh, J.B., thanks for your time. Thanks for your perspective. And I want to encourage people, if you haven't checked out his book yet, we've done podcasts on it. It's called The Spirit of the Antichrist, phenomenal book, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. God bless you, brother. Continue to bless your ministry and uh, you personally. Thanks, David. Maranatha. All right, blessings. We've got tomorrow Gary Ka. On the podcast, Hope for the World. Boy, we're going to be getting into a lot tomorrow. I can't give it away yet. Uh, Gary Ka tomorrow. Natasha Crane, apologist and author on Wednesday. And then we've got Jelaine Appling in part of the podcast on Thursday. And Tara Kozlowski will talk about human trafficking and the evils there we aren't even aware of in this country. And Scott Shera will be back in studio talking about his daughter Grace and uh, our, our amazinggrace.net is the website, some updates on her death and what happened at the hospital and the COVID protocols. just it's amazing all that's going on, but keep the faith, friends. God bless you and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.